0: Okay, there we go. Alright, we are looking at um, a topical study, the book of Proverbs, you guys know this, I reiterate that every time we get together. We're looking at the first landmark, and that is of authority, we've already talked about God as our ultimate authority, in fact Proverbs 1, seven says the beginning, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and that's that's what we've keyed off of. We've also talked about governments, our relationship with the governmental authority. We also talked about mom and dad, our parental authority. Uh, now we're going to look at two more authorities uh, that we come into contact with: the master servant. Um, Authority and the pastor-teacher's authority. And, of course, this, this teacher's thing, that, that covers a, a lot of ground. But uh, we're going to talk about these two uh, authorities that uh, we all come in contact with or have come in contact with. And the first one we're going to look at is the... Um, master and servants authority and um, I'm going to say something about that Uh, you know we know reading in the Old Testament we know that when Solomon wrote uh, the book of Proverbs there were servants Um, during that time uh, a lot of people get in their head that they were slaves you know, they think about slaves during that time, and, and yes, that did exist. That did exist, but uh, that's you know, when you think of servant, and this also kind of irritates me a little bit. In some of your more modern versions, uh, they'll take the word servant and they'll replace it with the word slave, and that's that isn't always accurate. That's not always that's not always the the true thing to do. Uh, There are servants, there are slaves. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about this master-servant, this master-slave stuff that the Bible talks about. Do you realize that the word slave is only mentioned twice in in your KJV? Yeah, the the actual word slave is only mentioned twice twice in the KJV and both times, and I found this interesting, both times the word slave shows up in the KJV it's a consequence of the individual's rebellion or the individual's apostasy against God so it's their rebellion and it's their apostasy against God that puts them in the situation as a slave puts him at in that situation as a slave for instance uh, Jeremiah chapter 2 uh, verses 13 to 14 that's the first time you find the word slave in in the KJV Jeremiah two thirteen. it says for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Hmm, I remember somebody saying something about that, about themselves in the New Testament. And hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? Now in Jeremiah with the King James translators they were honest enough to take that word slave and put it in italics other words saying that the actual word slave in the English is not found but the thought or the idea of the word slave is to be found there. And that is someone uh, that's speaking of Israel because of their rebellion, because of their apostasy, uh, coming under uh, the servitude of the heathen nations. God never intended Israel to become slaves of the heathen nations. In fact, it's the other way around. The heathen nations were to serve Israel as Israel served God because God's intention for the nation of Israel is that they would be priests and instructors to the heathen nations concerning Jehovah God but of course uh, they failed in that and so because of that failure they became slaves to the heathens and even now today uh, we're living in that period of time that Luke talked about is called the um, times of the Gentiles where Jerusalem is still trodden under the foot of the Gentiles, and that's not going to that's not going to change until Jesus Christ comes and reestablishes the kingdom on earth, uh, known as the kingdom of heaven. But anyway, that's a, that's a sidebar. So the the one time that we mentioned that the word slave is mentioned is due to due to the nation of Israel falling under apostasy, falling into rebellion against God. So therefore, Babylon and the Assyrians took the ten northern tribes. of Babylon took Judah, and they went into slavery they went into servitude under these heathen nations so that's the first time it's mentioned Now, as far as servants is concerned, the other other uses of the word servants is concerned, uh, there's two passages or chapters in the Bible that talk about this, uh, mainly talk about this, and that's Exodus 21 and Leviticus 25. Those two chapters in in the Mosaic Law talk about this relationship between the master and the servant and the servant and the master. And if you read through that, it's not particularly speaking about a slave, but it's talking about someone who is, could be a hired person, very much like our employer and employee relationship, right? It, it talks about a hired person. It talks about somebody who is employed, who's working uh, for a wage. Yes, and there were also folks that we would consider, I think the proper term is indentured, Servants, in other words, these were individuals who would um, to pay off a debt right to pay off a debt owed they would um, uh, go to this person that they would owe the money for uh, owe the money to, and they would they would work for this person to work off this debt they would work off this debt uh, proverbs twenty two seven says "The rich ruleth over the poor." And the borrower is servant to the lender, all right. So that's a person who has who needs to work off his debt uh, to the person that uh, he owes money to. And gosh, that's not much different than today, is it? I mean, many today themselves put themselves in such a financial position as well. I mean, uh, there's folks out there who will uh, max out their credit cards and then just pay the minimum payment. JB, is that a smart thing to do just to pay off the... No, because the interest outruns that minimum payment. So you end up paying almost twice of what you originally borrowed from your credit card. But there's people out there who will uh, max out their credit cards or take out multiple loans. I, I know of a family that had uh, three mortgages on their home. And that's just, you know, that's... Is... So essentially what you're becoming, you're becoming a, a, uh, an indentured servant to the lending house or to the credit card. You know, your money is no longer um, available for you to use for yourself or for you to use to help others. You're you're indentured to these credit card companies trying to pay off this debt. I knew a man that I used to work with who maxed out six credit cards and he owed over $100,000 on credit card debt he's probably still paying on that debt. You just don't want to do that. You just don't want to do that. So yeah, we've got indentured servants to MasterCard even today. Even today. Um, According to the Mosaic Law, servants who would do this, who had indentured themselves to pay off a debt, after six years they were free. In the seventh year of their service, according to the Mosaic Law, they were set free and their debt was paid. Their debt was paid. Also, uh, in Leviticus, where is it? Leviticus twenty-five, forty. There was a year of jubilee, which was the fiftieth year. And at the fiftieth year, if you were in that situation, when that fiftieth year or that year of jubilee would show up, then you were freed from that debt. And all
1: lands were reverted back to
0: their exactly. All the lands were reverted, and that's another thing. You know, they would they would leverage their land. To pay off their debt for a certain amount of time. Come Jubilee, they get us, it was kind of like what uh, they're wanting to do with the student loans <laughs> in our country just wipe them out. Anyway. Um, but uh that's what would happen on your jubilee so your your debt would be canceled you get back your lands so you see it wasn't a situation it wasn't a, a a dire situation it wasn't something that uh you know you were there for for life and of course you know with all things you had people who would take advantage of that and people who would you know, warp it, but that's that's a topic of another lesson. Some individuals, according to Exodus twenty-one five, loved their master so much that they wanted to become a permanent servant to that master. And so they would have their ear punctured with an awl. And that would be a sign that, you know, I love my master so much that I've dedicated my life to my master. Kind of like we should do with the Lord Jesus Christ right we should dedicate our life to our master who is the Lord Jesus Christ and this is something that they did voluntarily sometimes a, a servant in the Old Testament would be an aide or a helper or an apprentice I think they call him what is an admin is an admin somebody that helps in, with the CEOs and all that kind of stuff right. Joshua was a servant of Moses he was in that situation he was in that situation. He was kind of a, a you know, a, a, a helper, an apprentice for Moses. Um, Leviticus twenty-two. I mentioned this earlier. There were hired servants. Uh, they worked for a wage. They worked for a wage, like our employer-employee relationships. You know, we work for a wage. Uh, and then, of course, there were those who were servants uh, due to the spoils of war. If an invading army came in and you happened to be captured and carried away, then you would be that uh, captive servant or slave. Captive servant or slave. Kind of like that little that little Hebrew maid who was the uh, servant of Naaman, the Syrian general that had leprosy and was healed by Elisha she was that that's what happened to her she was captured by the Syrian army and became Naaman's uh, little servant girl now what about forced slavery uh, what about forced slavery what about what happened you know years and years ago that was uh, you know the subject of the civil war uh, and that that's been going on for you know for a long time uh, it, it still is it's still going on what about that what about forced slavery? Well the Bible refers to that as men stealing. Men stealing and that is is forbidden in the Bible that is forbidden in the Bible that, that men stealing like what the Portuguese did back in the day and, and, and others, other countries that is forbidden in the Bible in fact the very first time this act of um, selling someone into slavery is found in Genesis and guess who was the one who was sold into slavery uh, there you go Joseph by his brethren Right, his brothers. They wanted to kill him. Ju- uh, I think it was Judah, or no, Reuben, or somebody stepped in and said, "No, let's not kill the boy." So these Ishmaelites showed up and they sold Joseph into slavery and they took him to Egypt. And of course, you know, you know the story of that. In fact, Joseph, when he was talking to the butler and the, and the baker, uh, he said in Genesis forty fifteen, this is Joseph's words. He says, "For indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews." So he even mentions it as men stealing. Men stealing. And that is forbidden in the scriptures. This this act of men stealing, this treating individuals like, like some sort of uh, commodity. I, when we went down to Louisiana to see my father, uh, we'd go to these old plantations and sometimes they'd have these big record books out. And they'd have these lists of names. They'd have the you know the list of the livestock, you know, so many sheep, so many cattle, so many this, so many that, and then they had a special column called chattel. And what the chattel were were the black slaves on the plantation. They referred to them as chattel, and then they had the list of all these names of individuals, of people, of human beings that were considered just above livestock. Just above livestock. So well, that, kind of, that kind of thing is forbidden in the law of Moses. It's condemned in the Bible. This uh, forcing and selling men into slavery. Exodus 21.16 says, And he that stealeth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy uh, 24, verse 7 says, If a man be found stealing any of his brethren of the children of Israel, and maketh merchandise of him, or selleth him, then that thief shall die, and thou shalt put evil away from among you. So you can see right there that that crime against mankind in the, in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic law, that was a capital offense that had a capital punishment that, that was a death sentence on anybody who was caught as a men stealer so it took it very seriously no and you know it cracks me up that sometimes you hear the narrative that you know well the bible support no it does not it does not support slavery in fact it condemns it it, 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 it attaches it to a death sentence with anyone who would practice that New Testament, it's the same thing. In First Timothy, chapter one, nine through ten, Paul's writing to, to Timothy, and he says, "Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, and for sinners." Okay, keep that in mind, and then he lists for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So right there, Paul is saying that a men stealer is a is contrary to sound doctrine. So the Bible doesn't support. Slavery. It doesn't support slavery. This is also a crime of the false preachers and the false teachers. Okay? Got to be careful. It's also a crime of the false preachers and the false teachers in a spiritual sense. Sometimes in a physical sense as well because if you enslave the heart to false doctrine, then you pretty much enslave the body as well. Okay? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you now that word that phrase make merchandise of you means to use another human being for one's personal gain whether that's financial or influence or power and you guys have heard me preach about our buddy down in Texas and people like him who have these huge mega churches live in these huge 10 million ten million dollar mansions who have money hidden in the bathroom walls of their churches they make merchandise of people. they make merchandise of people. This is also the crime committed by the great harlot in Revelations. Revelations 18, through 13, it's listing all the crimes of this great harlot. And one of those crimes of the great harlot is that it, that it purchases slaves and souls of men. And of course the great harlot is that false religious system. And there's false religious systems that make slaves of men. And it's interesting too. In Revelations eighteen thirteen, that's the second mention of the word slave in your Bible. Both times the word slave is mentioned is due to apostasy or rebellion because of a false religion. Because of a false religion. Now, should we be obedient to that kind of master? No. That kind of master we are not to be obedient to. No. In fact, uh, the only master we are to be obedient to is the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to put a yoke on our shoulders, it should be his yoke. Because his yoke is easy and light. While the yoke of this other is very heavy and burdensome. So... We clearly see that the Bible condemns slavery, but it does recognize servanthood. It does recognize servanthood. Uh, And even, you know, in in going through the Law of Moses, we can learn about certain aspects of the servant and master or the employer and employee relationship. Uh, You know, we can. We can learn about things like this. Proverbs talks about it a lot. Proverbs twenty-seven, eighteen says, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, so he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Put it another way is if you work for someone and earn a wage, then you deserve that wage and you should be paid that wage, right? If, if you tend the fig tree, right, then you should profit from tending that fig tree. And a person who is a good employee or a good servant, you know, his master will honor. If the and if the master is worth his salt, he appreciates his employer employees, and he'll show his appreciation. He'll show his appreciation. I used to work for a a man, uh, Ewing Kaufman, who lived by that principle. He was very good to his people, very good to his people. In fact, uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher it. He had a saying. He always said it. He always said it. uh, Those who contribute—I can't remember how he put it. In other words, put it. He says those who contribute to the effort will also profit from the results. He was a very generous man. I mean, if if if. If the company made a profit, he didn't keep it for himself, he he distributed that profit. Very generous as man. So whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. He lived by that principle. He lived by that principle. So when we think of master and servants, that's kind of what we think of. We think of the employer employee ar- arrangement. And I think one of our discipleship lessons uh, talks about the workplace, doesn't it? Um, you know, we have a whole lesson on that. And if you remember from the lesson, what was the key point of that lesson? The workplace is a mission field. Have you guys gotten to that yet? Yeah. So the workplace is, is a mission field. And for many of us, uh, that's probably the only mission field we're ever going to be exposed to. Right? Because I don't think, you know, I don't think God calls everybody to go out to go to India or China or wherever but we are called to go out to the mission field and for me, the workplace that's an ideal, I mean ready made mission field I mean it really is, so if you approach your your work in that with that mentality, this is my mission field that God has placed me in you know you're there to win souls and be a testimony for Christ that's going to do a lot for your Attitude in regards to your ethic, your work ethic, your work ethic. To me, now I'm going to speak ideally, idealistically, all right? Because that's the way scripture presents things. It presents it idealistically, but we know in reality we always don't always measure up, right? But idealistically, the Christian should be the best employee that the employer has and that the Christian should be the best employer that the employee has it's just the way it should be you you should be the best, why? because you're there as a testimony you are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and what is that old saying that people say, you may be the only Bible that some people ever read you know, so you want to represent Christ well. You want to rep- represent Christ. Now, does that always happen? <laughs> I know in my case not always. I'm human, I've made mistakes. But that's 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 the aspiration. We want to be the best representative of Jesus Christ as we can. Why? Because that's our mission field. We want to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a ready-made mission field. Chances are the most lost people you're ever going to meet in your lifetime are the people on your job. That's who you have the most interaction, the most contact with. Proverbs 25.13 says, As the cold of snow in the time of harvest... So is a faithful messenger to them that send him, for he refresheth the soul of his masters. you see when a Christian strives to be the best employer slash employee that they can that he or she can be you know that 's refreshing, and the Lord sees that, and the Lord is pleased by that the Lord is pleased by that. Uh, we should We should be a breath of fresh air <laughs> on the workplace now, not all the time we may be but that 's what we should be. That's what we should be. And the Lord, sees, the Lord sees this, and it's pleasing in his sight. Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. That's our motive. We're doing it for the Lord, and whatsoever ye do, do it hardly as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. When you go to when you go to work, do you have that on your mind? Are you Do you go to work saying, you know, I'm serving the Lord today, or you or you go to work saying, I'm serving the man today? <laughs> that has a lot to do on your attitude and your outlook on on when you go to work. I'm going to be a little negative. That's my nature. But I've worked on job sites where the worst employees happen to be Christians. Where some of the worst employees happen to be Christians on the job. I can recall one man years and years ago, you know, we'd have mechanics all around us working, you know, hammering out sheet metal, all this kind of stuff, working on the on the jets and stuff for TWA. And I remember this guy, because he had this, this um, bright, shocking head of hair, it's red, and this big old bushy red beard. I mean, I just remember that I can see him to this day, Here's everybody around him working, and he's standing in his toolbox with this huge Bible open, reading his Bible. Reading his Bible. And the man honestly believed he was being a good testimony to the rest of the mechanics who were working. Everything he says. Because he was reading his Bible. While everybody else around him, now what kind of testimony is that? It's not a good testimony. He should have been out there working on that jet like everybody else was. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. I've also been exposed to Christians who have gone way above the call of duty on their job. And never get any recognition for it. Never get any recognition for it. Never even speak about it to their boss or anybody else. There was a particular man on the job site that was this way all the time. I mean, he always went above and beyond his his job, and I asked him one time, I said, "Why do you do that? Nobody sees you do that. you don't get any recognition for it because at the time there was this thing going on, on the job site if if you did something you get you got this little plaque you could hang up on the wall and stuff you know they were really big into that he never he never once brought that up to anybody so I asked him I said why why do you not you know why do you do that why do you why don't you let somebody know what you're doing here and that's when he showed me this verse in Colossians and he told me he says I work for Christ and in the end all promotion comes from him I thought to myself wow what an attitude to have what an attitude to have that's a good attitude 2nd Timothy 2.24 says and the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men apt to teach, patient In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will that kind of applies to what we were talking about earlier JB just be that patient persistent testimony on the job that patient persistent testimony on the job And God will give you opportunity to speak to folks. You know, I have to use myself as an example. I apologize for that. But I don't know how many times I had people on the job site come up to me and have a question about the Bible or they've got something going on in their life, there's something going on with their kids or their wife, but they come to me and ask me, what does the Bible have to say about this?
1: Jeff, let me ask something. just this Christmas. My Jewish, red-haired Jewish boss sent out an email to me and said, "What was that verse that talks about Jesus' birth?" And I was Luke two through yeah. fourteen. So yeah. he said, "Can you send that out?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Boom." Yeah. You know? exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's, that, it's that patient, persistent testimony, you know, and 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 folks will come to you. They'll want to know, "What do you have that I don't have?" What's going on here? What's going on here? Unfortunately, and I've seen this, unfortunately, in certain certain situations, some of the biggest trouble troublemakers and some of the biggest rabble rousers are Christians. They demand some right some personal prerogative they, they make a big deal over some small issue that really has no impact on eternity whatsoever I don't like so and so's radio station, make them change it it offends me because I'm a Christian really? put some earplugs in you know why make an issue of these things? They do. Sometimes Christians make big issues over things that really aren't worth the effort. Matthew 7, 6 says, give not that which is holy unto the dog, neither cast you pearls before swine. Least they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. You know, instead of being a nuisance, why don't you try being a testimony? You know? You know, so many times I've had, I've been um, witness to Christians who come forth with this self righteous, demanding attitude, expecting lost men and women to behave like saved people. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I. An, I, I love this.
1: For me, why isn't it easy for you? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's not easy for me, but um, I love I love this one example. A friend of mine did. There was a particular I use a radio thing because it. Uh, there was a one particular guy who liked to hear some. He liked to listen to some pretty hardcore uh, rock and roll. And uh, I remember my friend. Uh, was listen, he would listen to this day out, day in, day out, day in. And I remember a particular song came on. I can't remember what song. was talk, I'm talking back in the 70s, okay? So this one particular song came on, and my friend used that song as an open door to speak to this fella about the Lord. I can't remember what the song was, but there was something about the song that opened the door, And my friend asked, well, what group is that? And what's the name of that song? And this one particular lyric I picked up on, and they just started talking about that music. And so he was able to share the gospel. You know what happened? I don't think the guy ever got saved, but you know what he did? He turned the volume down on the radio. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Can't make out those lyrics anymore, can you? Mm.
0: He turned the volume down on the radio. So... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the battles you choose. It's how you choose the battle of the battles.
1: Well, and Jeff didn't have to live easily,
0: oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, my friend wasn't going there with the intention of having him turn down his radio. He just saw an open door. Okay. And he just used what the guy was, you know, familiar with and related to. Something else um, I've seen on the job site. Uh f- First Corinthians 8:21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. Uh, one of the bigger, one of the big issues that I discovered, I've seen with with Christians and with people in general on the job site, is their dishonesty. I remember one time walking out of a, out of the plant that we worked in, and this guy had his back pocket stuffed full of paintbrushes from the paint department, because he's going to paint his house. <laughs> so he stole these paintbrushes, and it was so funny to watch him, because here he had both of his back pockets full of these paintbrushes. He had a shirt untucked, and he kept trying to pull his shirt down to cover the brushes as he walked through the guard gate. He didn't make it very far. <laughs> he didn't make it very far. But... Um, you know, we think about pens and pencils and you know things that get carried home, whether intentionally or accidentally. What about time? What about time? Um, I think that's one of the biggest things is people stealing time from their employer. Like, for instance, if you got a 15-minute break don't stretch it to 25 minutes. If you've got a 30 minute lunch, don't stretch it to 45. But it happens all the time. Happens all the time. I know I sound kind of like a, a nudge, don't I? <laughs> but f- when, I was, when I was going, when I was working, that was just one of those things I was very careful about. Very careful about my, my time. I wanted to make sure that I put in my time. Now, I have to admit that I wasn't always, you know, good at it, but I did try. I did try. Ephesians six six. not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So, um, when the boss is out of sight, do folks stop working or do they keep working? Depends
1: on the person.
0: Yeah, it depends on the person. I worked with a fella who, um, whenever the boss was out of sight, he'd, he'd stand there leaning against the, the column, sm- uh, drinking his coffee and smoking a cigarette and just talking up a storm. And he would strategically place himself to, to where he could see the boss coming around. And immediately out goes the cigarette, the coffee, and he was the hardest worker you ever saw. I mean, he, w- he outdid all of us and as soon as the boss passed on by and went out of sight out come another cigarette and out come another cup of coffee yeah one of the character traits that uh, the book of Proverbs I guess would praise is the honest work ethic and it condemns um, here's a word you don't hear often slothfulness all right, uh, Proverbs twenty-two nine. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, uh, for he giveth his bread to the poor. Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. All right, so you know, it Proverbs is always talking about those who are diligent, those who have a good work ethic. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna prosper, while those who are slothful or those who are idle. They're gonna suffer loss. Um, I don't see that principle taught in our country anymore. I mean, uh, that used to be a a mainstay in our country, was that work ethic. We were, at one time as a country, we were proud of our work ethic. We were proud of, in fact, that we had a reputation among the world as being a hard-working people. A hard-working people. Now it's like we want to live off the dole. I, don't, I just don't understand it.
1: What do you mean $10 yeah,
0: yeah, there you go. Now, as far as the employers or masters, I was really hoping to get through <laughs> both of these, but I get long-winded, don't I? As far as employers and... and, and, and did I hear JB say yes to that? <laughs> I'm picking on you, aren't I, JB? So. Okay, okay.
1: You're talking to yourself heard that in
0: your own it, could mind. Yeah. it could be it could be so it was Vicky. Ah. so Colossians 4 1 it says masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal knowing that ye also have a master in heaven so if you're a boss right you be just and equal with your employees And yet there are so many bosses out there that make themselves rich at the expense of those who work for them. Uh, Leviticus 19.13 says, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. It used to be in the Old Testament that they would be paid for that day, for that day's work. You labored in a field, at the end of the day, you would be paid that money. Why was that? Because you needed that money to go buy groceries for the family. Nowadays, the company holds onto that money and gives it to you after a week or two weeks. Why is that? Because they're gaining interest off of that money. They're gaining interest off of that money. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad, wrong or right, but that's just the way it is today. And you know, maybe that may not be a bad thing to do because if I were paid every day, I don't know. That's just the way I'm trained. I'm trained every two weeks, I get a paycheck and that's how I budget. I don't know how you would budget a day by day. That, anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there. That's just my brain working. Uh, Leviticus 25, 43. Thou shalt not rule over him with rigor, but shalt fear thy God. In other words, you know... I've had some mean bosses who, um, what is it called, micromanage? I mean, you couldn't take a step without their permission. You couldn't take a step without, and back in the day, back in the day, it wasn't nothing for a boss to come up and start beating on their servants with a stick or something. That's what it's talking about. Don't be a mean boss. Don't be a mean boss. I'm not going to say anything did, yeah. <laughs> oh really <laughs> The J.B. a mean boss <laughs> yeah the bosses the mean bosses five Ex- 5.8 Ex- 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 if thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of the judgment and justice and province he says marvel not at the matter for he that is higher than the highest regardeth and there be higher than they God's watching he sees that stuff he sees that stuff. He's watching. I had a boss... Um, I gotta be careful here. I've known of bosses who very mean. In fact, this particular boss had a reputation of firing people at the drop of a hat. If, a, if somebody disagreed with them or if they perceived some sort of insubordination in that person, then they would fire that individual. So this individual had the reputation of, of being someone who would just fire someone. If, if you insulted them, if you, you know, anything. So what they were doing is they were abusing their, their power, weren't they? Well, it caught up with this person. It always does. It caught up with this person. They ended up losing their job. They ended up losing their job. Without exception, I've seen the good one, the good bosses rewarded, and I've seen the bad ones get their just due. God sees this stuff. He sees this stuff. So the chief point as far as this first one, you know, it's a mission field. It's a mission field. So when you're out there on that mission field, you want to represent Christ well. Whether you're an employee or whether you're an employer, you want to represent Christ well because what you want to do is you wanna you want the opportunities to share your faith with others. And if you're a mean-spirited boss or if you're a lazy employee, you know, then you're pretty much squandering your opportunity. You're pretty much squandering your opportunity. Now, is it always going to be easy uh, to be that that employee or or employer and, and stand for Christ? No, no. It's never it's never easy to stand for Christ. It's never easy to to represent or be a testimony for Christ. But again, as I said, God sees that stuff and he, and and He takes note of that stuff. I, I'll have I have a personal story, and I have to end with this personal story years and years ago I worked on a particular job and uh, the the supervisor and the foreman uh, were not nice men okay very demanding Uh, they they uh, supervised with rigor (laughs) very demanding uh, but also the job was very demanding uh, the job that we were in, we had to turn over planes in, 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 in eight hours. They would, they would pull in a jetliner into the bay, and we would start at midnight, and by 7 o'clock, that plane had to be ready to get back out on the flight line. So we would get in there, and you know, we'd do what we have to do with the plane to get it ship shape and clean and all this kind of stuff, restocked and all that kind of stuff. And it was tough. It was very difficult. Very difficult, and the the two men who was our supervisor and our leader, they push, 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 and they had to, because we only had eight hours to turn this jetliner around to get it back out on the flight line. Well, there was a lot of folks that rebelled against this. They didn't like to be pushed. They didn't like this this time constraint. They didn't like the supervisor and the lead always pushing, 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 pushing. Um, And so they rebelled. And so they would call the union steward in, and we'd have all these meetings, and here's this plane out here in the bay that we're supposed to get turned around, and we're wasting time in this meeting and the union steward pretty much says guys that's your job get out there and do your job it never worked it never really worked for for the folks who were rebelling and and causing all of this and the only thing that these the this group of people was doing was making it harder on the rest of us so i was one of the one of the few individuals that just put my nose to the grindstone did what i was told There was another Christian on the job. They were doing the same thing. It was tough. It was difficult. It was hard. By the end of the night, I was zapped. Well, they had layoffs. And so a lot of the guys were getting laid off. And one of the men came to me. One of the ringleaders came to me. And he said, you know what? He said, looking back on it all, he says, I think you and your buddy... Had the right attitude all along. He says, I think if we all would have adopted that attitude of just getting the job done, he said, I think it would have been easier on all of us. He'd lost his job. He learned a lesson too late. You know? Yeah, sometimes doing God's will is not easy. It's not. Yeah, in the end, it's the right way. It's the blessed way. God always blesses. So one's attitude of those in authority on the job can have an impact on your mission field. Can have an impact on the gospel, either in a negative way or a positive way. You know, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ on the job. There was a there was a young man on 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 the job that uh, witnessed to me and he was a good worker. He came in did what he had to do he was uh, he he uh, drove a, a delivery van and he came in got his stuff sorted it all out in the meantime he'd come by and you know I was one of the stations that he got some of the stuff from so he could take it to where it needs to be delivered and He'd help me load it and all that kind of stuff. And all the time, he would be witnessing to me and talking to me and handing me these silly little comic tracks and things like that. Well, I was that young man that God used to lead me to the Lord on the job site. On the job site. And there have been people on the job site that I've led to the Lord. So, you know, look at it as a mission field. Look at it as a mission field. And I'm gonna to have to stop right there, so we're gonna cut class early. Any questions, any testimonies about this topic? Anything that I didn't cover?
1: I, I think it's very this lesson's very timely for me just because I'm unvaccinated, we're kind of we're kind of being treated like a second class citizen. yep. and there's like there's a national sales meeting I'm allowed to go to stuff like that. and so I had to be very careful about. Um, making sure
0: my heart was
1: in the right place to keep yep. motivation and yep. doing my job. And I'm like, yep. there's there's stuff that needs to
0: be done. To yeah, unfortunately, you're not the only one put in that put in that position. My own daughter, who works in the healthcare, yeah. is also in that very same situation. So they have her jumping through a lot of lo- hoops. Yeah. And uh, she's been jumping through the hoops.
1: And that's what I plan to do. I'm going to jump through the hoops and- yeah. until God tells me it.
0: Yep. Yeah. 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 Well we'll certainly pray for you on that. Thank you. Yeah, because unfortunately you get we get placed in situations like there was a time on my job um, I had a supervisor falsify my signature on a document. And I saw that. And I do I take this to, the, to my supervisor? What do I do with this? Because this is my supervisor. You know, they falsified my signature on a document. Now, if something were to go wrong, I'd lose my job. So I went to my supervisor and I said, "This isn't my signature. Where did this come from?" He said, "Well, I put it. I put it. I, I, I wrote your name in there." He says, "I knew you. I knew you did, did the job." and so I went ahead and put your... I said, don't do that again. Don't do that again. I said, you're risking your job, you're risking my job, don't do that again. So yeah, sometimes it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. And believe me, I was quaking in my boots. I mean, this is my supervisor, right? He, he could have made a real big stink out of this. He could have made it... I a...
1: Mean, it, 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 it. Uh, You know, my job is kind of the complete opposite. What I feel is I have the opportunity to be in dire straits. I mean, I'm in dire straits. Now, I don't know what to do. Let me give you you some hope. And, And how many times a day you... Out of 120 phone calls I might make, I'll probably talk to 12 people about Jesus Christ.
0: Now, does your employer permit that?
1: You know what? They haven't stopped me in eight years. Well, there you go. Every recorded call, well, they have them all recorded. So Maybe they can see there's
0: a pattern there. It's amazing how
1: at the end of the call, when they're thousands of dollars in debt, crying on the phone about you know, whatever. They're thanking you. Yeah. because, you know, you brought a little bit of hope to it. Yeah,
0: and, it, you know, it could be your employer maybe looking at that as a positive thing. If you are giving these people hope, then maybe these people are going to pay their debt. Yeah. They,
1: and, you know what, I mean,
0: yeah, They'll say they do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, as long as your employer doesn't say anything about it. See, we had a situation on one of my jobs where um, a couple of the f- Christians on the job uh, put a Bible program on one of the company computers. Mm-hmm you don't do that you just don't do that you don't put a bible program on a, on a company computer and of course they, these two individuals got in trouble for it you know they could have lost their jobs for it but they yeah they put this bible program so that on their breaks they could you know use this bible program but the company says no you don't do that if you want to you want a bible program you bring your own personal laptop or whatever but don't put it on the company property So, yeah, you know, and we used to have uh, Bible studies on the job site. But we had to go to human resources and we had to get permission. Is it okay if we meet? And, yeah, it was okay as long as it was was within the company. It was company people within the company, you know. But we weren't allowed to bring somebody outside of the company, like a visiting pastor or a missionary. We weren't allowed to do that because they looked at that I can't remember how they worded it but it was kind of like proselytizing. well not so much proselytizing but just introducing you know something they just didn't want to open up a can of worms right they didn't want to open up a can of worms so yeah you know check with your HR rep or whatever you and as long as they give you the green light go with it and be very respectful stay within the boundaries set yeah and I totally get where you're coming from because I talk to people about that all the time and yeah, it's yeah it's a it's a it's a conscious it's a decision of the conscious a conscience and wherever your conscience goes you know because some people will go ahead and get vaccinated you know that's a to me that's a that's an that's an issue of one 's conscience you know i'm not going to tell you don't do it i'm not going to say do it that's an issue that you have to work out yourself
1: well medically my doctor is
0: that, my yeah
1: but it that, that has no bearing yeah unfortunately where i work and and i yeah. pointed out they're you know, like why aren't you going to the meetings like because of x y and Z, and i'm not the only one who needs accommodation
0: for yeah. this
1: so going forward i expect you will accommodate that yeah so yeah. we yeah.
0: yeah for sure that's that's one of those things ok any other questions or anything ok well then we'll just close right here and um, JV would you be comfortable in closing out in prayer ok my father just come to you and thank your time in your word and thank for the teaching of God and just help us apply